Today, our text comes from Acts chapter 5, starts with verse 12, Acts chapter 5. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you to not teach in this name, yet here you've filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, last week, Easter Sunday, we talked about how the resurrection changes how we face life. We face life with hope. We also talked about how the resurrection changes how we face death. We face death as our defeated enemy. We talked about how we face and deal with life today by serving and helping those who are vulnerable. But this week, our Acts reading shows us a picture of Peter and the apostles that they were obedient to the angel of the Lord. They were courageous to preach the gospel, but, but not just to preach the gospel, to do so right in the heart of the temple of Jerusalem. Just, just days after this, all of the events of Jesus, right in the temple, preaching this message of repentance, preaching this message of the resurrection. Remember, the resurrection, it changes everything. It certainly changed Peter, because Peter wasn't always this way. This week, I took some time to do a case study on Peter of all of the major events in Peter's ministry that, that led up to this. I think the argument could be made that, that before this time, Peter, uh, from time to time, allowed his fears to impact his behaviors, especially in how he responded to difficult circumstances. So first, let's start at the very beginning with Peter, when Peter is called to be a disciple of Christ. And in this moment, we can see in Peter this fear of inadequacy, of not being enough. Right, Peter had been fishing all night long, caught nothing. 
exhausted and weary, his, his arms, his shoulders, his back spent from a night of pulling in these ropes, pulling in these nets. And now he's, it's daybreak and the, the, the workday is over for him. He's pulled up on the shore and he's cleaning and he's mending his nets so that they'll be ready to go that night. And then Jesus, who he's heard before, comes down to the beach and is preaching and is teaching. And then, and then it's incredible. He jumps into Peter's boat and is preaching from Peter's boat. Peter's got a front row seat to this amazing sermon that Jesus is sharing. Until Jesus says, let's push out into the deep waters and go fishing. Now, Peter, again, he spent all night fishing. And it's not like it's just sport fishing. It's not just doing this for fun. It says his livelihood and he was not good enough the night before. He's got failure, he's got inadequacy, and Jesus says, let's go do it again. So full of doubt and full of fear, Peter puts back out into deep waters and lets down his net. And then the miraculous thing happens. The, the net is filled with fish like Jesus is this miraculous fish finder. He's gathered all the fish in the sea, put them right into Peter's net, and they're, they're barely able to get the nets in. And Jesus kindly said, Peter, stop being afraid. From now on, you will be catching men alive. Well, I wonder where we in our own lives have fears of being inadequate, of not being enough. Maybe you feel like you're not enough at work. Or maybe you feel like you're not enough as a parent. Or maybe as a student. Or an athlete. Or whatever the case may be. And maybe your inadequacy is in, in another realm. Maybe you feel inadequate to share the message of the gospel with your neighbor. Maybe you feel like that's a job that's, that really should just be done by the professionals, by those who are trained, those who have all the theology degrees in the world. Those are the people who really should be preaching the gospel. See, Peter's doubts of being a, a fisherman, just a practical fear of not being enough as a fisherman, had no basis. Because with Jesus, there, there are no limits to what can be done. His doubts and his fears about his own faults and inadequacies in ministry are just the same as baseless. Because Jesus had incredible work to do and needed Peter to accomplish that. A ministry that would change the history of the world. Well, let's fast forward a little bit to when Jesus calls Peter to walk onto the water. And here we see a fear of a weak faith. Jesus has just come back from a, a, a solitary time of prayer with the Father, and he's going out to the disciples, but the disciples are out in the middle of the sea, and there's this storm that's been raging, and the, they're struggling. And Jesus doesn't have a boat, but he, he's Jesus, so he walks out to them on the water, walks out to them. And at first they think Jesus is a ghost, and they, they cry out, and, and Jesus says, don't, don't, don't be afraid, it's, it's me. And then Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me to, to walk out onto the water. And he says, come. So Peter, just full of excitement, he gets out of the water, gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. And then all of a sudden has that wily coyote moment that he's flown off the edge and realizes he's about to fall. And he looks around and he sees the winds, he sees the storms, he sees the waves, and he focuses on what's wrong in his life in that moment. And he begins to sink and he cries out, Lord, save me. Do you ever doubt the faith that you have? My wife and I, uh, we struggled with infertility a long, long time ago. And uh, 
Doctors couldn't tell us why, but we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, went to see all kinds of doctors. Then we had this, uh, a couple of friends who were, who were just great Christian people, but they fed us a little bit of information that was not healthy for us to hear. They said, if you just have enough faith and you pray boldly and you have enough faith, God will answer that prayer. And I don't know if you've ever been told that by a friend or not, but that's really bad advice. Because God does not answer our prayers based on our levels of faith. That's just not how he works. God doesn't love us or give us good things because we're super faithful, or he doesn't give us bad things because we're, we're barely faithful. That's not how God reacts with us. That's not how, how he engages and listens to us because his love for us is not based on our amount of faith, but on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. God's ability to use us even is not based on our faith because God constantly uses his own enemies to carry out his will. If you have faith, just as small as a mustard seed, you can say, does this mountain go from here to here? Sure, we want our faith to grow. We want our faith to be strengthened by God. But any faith is faith enough for God to use to save us. Well, let's take another look at Peter. Peter, when Jesus calms the storm, we see in Peter a, a fear of circumstances. Now again, the disciples are out in their boat and they're far away. This time Jesus is, is in the boat with them, but there's this huge storm that comes out of nowhere and is threatening to, to swamp the boat. Jesus, of course, is sleeping. <laughs> He's got no fear. But the disciples are filled with fear, and Peter, one of the disciples, cries out to Jesus, Jesus, wake up and save us. Jesus wakes up, and I love the next word, he rebukes the storm. He rebukes the storm. He has that authority. And it goes calm. Jesus looks at them and says, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Well, I wonder if there's people in this room today who are in seasons of storms where you see no possible way out. Perhaps you're overwhelmed with fear and it just feels like life is about to be capsized. And maybe, as we're talking about sharing the gospel, maybe because of all this tragedy, because of all the difficulties that you're, that you're engaged in and, and, and you're working so hard to, to fight through it, you really don't have the time to go out and witness to somebody else. Well, I want to let you know that if you are in a difficult season of life, that is perhaps when God's voice can be the most clear speaking to those around you. When you have the opportunity to suffer well, with hope, with perseverance, with character, the witness that you proclaim to the world is bold. I think that's one of those reasons why, why we're told that we can rejoice in our suffering. Because when you are struggling well through a storm in your life, those around you see it, and your witness is clear and powerful. Well, all right, then, then Peter's worst day, the day where he denies Christ, 
And here we see a fear of association. He's just afraid to be connected to Jesus. He's the one who boldly said, Jesus, I will never betray you. But when the tensions rise and Jesus is arrested, time after time after time, Peter says, I do not know that man. And a rooster crows. And Jesus looks at Peter. And in those compassionate eyes, you can almost hear Jesus' thoughts. Peter, why are you so afraid? I think that sometimes that can be a commentary on today's gospel. Many are not willing to go all in in their testimony of the resurrection. See, perhaps just the same or maybe even more today, the message of the gospel is offensive to the world. The ways of God is offensive to the world. It's difficult to to take that stand and say, this is what God's word says, that we're called to repentance, that we're called to, to live this resurrected life. It's hard to do that sometimes and in some circumstances and in some places. See, some are just happy to to see pastors and teachers stand up and and do all of the gospel sharing. They're glad that the the church is doing well, but but don't ask me to change. Let me stay the way that I am. See, would, would we be so bold to say that the resurrection changes everything, and therefore, if you see no changes happening in your life, then perhaps you've been passively rejecting the resurrection. Well, that's harsh. Well, let me soften it just a little bit. If you don't feel the desire to change, then perhaps you, you haven't yet joined this resurrection movement with both feet. Maybe the resurrection hasn't fully soaked into your soul just yet. If that's you, then I, I pray that you pray that it does. Because it changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. This is a story, this is an account of Peter now boldly being different than he's ever been in his life. He's letting go of fear and he's living out in faith. Go to the one place which is absolute worst place for Christians to go, the middle of the temple, and preach the resurrection. Okay. There's no conversation in his head about, boy, I think that's a bad idea, Jesus. Angel of the Lord, tell me to go to... Capernaum, they like us there. Let's start the movement there. But no, the heart and soul of Jerusalem, right smack dab in the temple. And I think that you can see this progression that happens from from Easter Sunday until now in Peter's transformation, in his change. It's not just instantaneous. It builds on each other. You see it as as he's running with John to the tomb because he's longing. He has this faith that longs to be drawn near and closer to Jesus. You see it in the proof of the resurrection that, that Peter has this faith that he knows that death could not contain his Savior. You see this, the, the, the being reinstated into the ministry, that, that Peter has this faith that is overwhelmed by the grace of God. And as Jesus ascends into heaven, Peter has this faith to know the clarity of the mission, of the great commission, of what it is that he and the other apostles are supposed to do. And then you build on that now that we find out that even Peter's shadow has the ability to bring healing to people. And you see in Peter this faith of a conviction that knows that God is in him and working through him 
powerfully to change others. And the end of this text, we find out that Peter has this faith that fears and follows God, not mankind. He's released from prison and he's sent back out with this, this intent and this thought in his mind that if God is for us, who can be against us? See, this change is a progression. It's a development. It builds on each other. And wherever you are on that progression and that spectrum, Jesus is calling you to continue to grow, to continue to change. Where do you see yourself in that, in that progression with Peter? Maybe you're in a season where you're, you've got this faith that just wants more of Jesus. Or you're growing in your conviction that death is never the final word. And that gives you a hope that sustains you. Or maybe you know that you've been given this unique calling to live out your faith as only you can. And you're taking steps to do that. Maybe you're to a point where you're willing to sacrifice and risk it all for the sake of the gospel. Wherever you are in that spectrum, God is calling you to take the next step to encounter and experience the change that only the resurrection can bring. Now, a very important side note. It'd be, imp it'd be easy for us to see that since this moment of resurrection to the ascension and this preaching out in the temple, that Peter is a totally changed man. Right? There's not an ounce of fear in him. He's traded all of it for a full faith. The resurrection changes everything, right? Yes. But our sinful selves from the past have a way of popping their heads up out of those baptismal waters that we previously tried to drown them in. Paul had to confront Peter. This time in, in, the, in, the, in the letter to the church in Galatia, Paul confronts Peter because Peter is afraid. Peter was eating with the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. He was afraid. This is well into Peter's ministry. You see, Peter is just a man. Luther describes our old Adams, our sinful past, our sinful selves, constantly struggling to raise our heads out of those baptismal waters. It is important, he reminds us, to remember our baptisms daily. Every time we see, taste, smell, touch, encounter water, that we remember we are baptized sons and daughters of God Most High. And we take our hands on the head of old Adam and we push his darn head right back down into the waters and remind him that we are new creations each and every day. That we repent and believe the gospel to remember that we are new. Now this balance between fear and faith, for me, is, is not so much like an off-on switch. Like if you've got faith, you've got no fear. You've got, you got some fear, you've got no faith. That's not how this works. I see this more as a dimmer. Because the more I focus on the problems of my life, and the less I focus on the author and perfecter of my faith, fear begins to grow in my life. But the more that I take my eyes off the problems and focus on the cross to remember what God has done for me, the Holy Spirit grabs that dial of faith and just dials it up. And the faith and the fear, rather, disappears. Jesus reminds us that the perfect love casts out fear. We put that in Peter's words. We must obey God 
rather than men. See, if we fear, love, trust in God, we have nothing else to fear. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a God who builds and grows faith inside of us. This day, whatever fears are present in the room, we surrender them to you. Whether they be fears of inadequacy or fears of not having enough faith or, or fears of being associated with you, God, take those away. Replace it with your perfect love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, fresh and new today. Drive out that fear and bolster our faith that we would boldly confess you and the resurrection to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.